Welcome to the No Meh Movies Podcast. How many times have you heard a movie is alright? It's average. It's just okay. If you ask your friends if you should see it and they say, meh, I'm Davey Barris and he's Darren Cross. And on this show, we'll break down and review these movies and decide once and for all if these meh movies are good or bad. And whether or not you should watch them. Because on this show, there are no meh movies. Now, we take the decision out of our hands for what makes a meh movie. It's got to be between 40 and 60 on the tomato meter, or it's got to be between 4 and 6 on IMDb. And the movie we are discussing this week, there wasn't really anything in theaters that we wanted to theme this around or a birthday, so we went with an anniversary. We went with a movie celebrating its 20th anniversary. We were debating between two. One celebrating its 30th, one celebrating its 20th. We'll probably go back and do the, the one celebrating its 30th at some point. But the movie we are talking about this week is Sandra Bullock, Ben Affleck, Forces of Nature. The rom-com. That's right, we're doing a rom-com this week. (laughs) We also wanted to make sure that we get a diverse set of movies here on the show, right? So we're doing a rom-com. We're going to have some fun with the genre. Spoiler warning. Spoiler warning for Forces of Nature. Now, if it's been a while since you've seen it or you haven't seen it yet, here's a quick synopsis of Forces of Nature. Again, it stars Ben Affleck and Sandra Bullock, and Ben Affleck is a groom about to get married in Savannah, Georgia, and he's got to make his way down there from New York City. Sandra Bullock is the passenger next to him on the plane. The plane crashes on takeoff, and basically they have to try renting a car, taking a train, every which way possible to get down to Savannah, Georgia, and everything they try, something goes wrong. And along the way, there's a little bit of spark, a little bit of chemistry between their characters, and he's got to decide, do I go get married like I was planning, or do I stay with this girl that just walked into my life? And that is the story of Forces of Nature. So Darren, normally we start this podcast with, were you entertained? But I'm going to start with something different this week. Ooh. So the girl he's supposed to marry, by the way, Ben Affleck's character name is Ben. Mm -hmm. That'll be easy to remember. The girl he's supposed to be Mary is named Bridget, played by Mara Tierney. Mm-hmm. The girl he meets is Sarah, played by Sandra Bullock. Yep. Are you team Sarah or are you team Bridget? I think I'm team team Sarah. That's that's bad to say, but 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 she she was very convincing and like I think a lot I think a lot of people are sort of naturally drawn to like charisma. You know what I mean? I think you know that's that's how you get like cults. That's how like David Koresh exists or existed, <laughs> right? Because people are drawn to charisma. Are you are you part of the cult of Sandra Bullock? Yeah, the, <laughs> the Bullocks. <laughs> so as much as I like, from a you know, if you're standpoint of like what's like right or wrong, you know, because but I think you know that's what he was trying to figure out. But if you're from a standpoint of like what's right or wrong. That we don't know how long they've been in a relationship together, but we assume it's a while, and they made this decision to get married. It was probably the right choice, because um, that's, spoiler alert, he ends up going with his fiance. But I was very drawn to Sandra Bullock's character. She was very fun. And I'll go back to the, I'll, I'll talk about this in more depth when we go to successes, successes and failures, but her character ended up being a lot deeper than I expected it to be. So. Ooh, all right. What about you? What team were you on? I was team Bridget the whole time. Oh. I was like, you fool, what are you doing? Where's your sense of adventure? <laughs> I was so that's the problem. Like, 
you can have this adventure with another person who's not your spouse. There's nothing wrong with having fun and True. going on an adventure together. They, they but did that, make out a couple times. You just don't have to sleep together or yeah. make out, you know? There's such a thing as called a platonic friendship. It's true. And they do exist between men and women, it's surprisingly. True. So, yeah. So, uh, I'm fine with them. Like, if you build enough of a relationship with Sarah, then you can invite her to the wedding. And she could be a part of your life. And yeah. you guys can meet her kid. I don't know. Like... Yeah. Okay. So I, I was team Bridget. Clearly, they had a strong relationship. She, nothing about, I don't know. We didn't really learn that much about Bridget, so I got no. nothing on her character to base it off of, no. but I was team Bridget. Okay. All right, Darren. Now, uh, clearly, uh, I'm going to say this is a point for did the movie do what it was supposed to do. The fact if we're debating <laughs> if we're team Sarah or team Bridget, how do you feel? There was romantic comedy. Did it do what it was supposed to do? Yeah. Yeah, I'd say for the most part. It wasn't like hysterically funny, but I thought there were some some pretty funny parts to it, which made it comedic. And then the romance side, I think, was a success. Also, or it was accomplished as well. Um, there's def it was definitely a spark you felt between the two of them. It felt pretty natural, if you could say, if you could call that, despite them only you know knowing each other for like two days. Um, but it felt like fairly organic, not like totally forced. So yeah, I would say it, it successfully was a romantic comedy. So one of the things that's going to come up a lot with this movie, and anyone who sees it is instantly going to think of planes, trains, and automobiles. Oh yeah, Steve Martin, John Candy, a classic. And it's also about two travelers who, because of weather, are struggling to get back to the city that they're trying to get back to. They go on crazy misadventures. They're a very mismatched set of friends mm -hmm. and you know they learn something about themselves along the way so clearly there are some parallels i think in some of the reading some of the trivia that they said that originally this might have been conceived as a remake but then they just kind of let it be its own thing as the production process went on so as far as planes trains and automobiles go that i have to get somewhere comedy and i'm stuck with this person i think it was a success like you said uh there was pretty good comedy. It made me laugh a bunch of times throughout the throughout the movie. As far as the romantic part went, I wasn't feeling the romantic chemistry between Sandra Bullock and Ben Affleck as much as you were, I guess. Okay. I think I think in that respect, it didn't do what it was supposed to do. It didn't make me, and maybe that's why I was Team Bridget the whole time, it didn't make me believe that these two were meant for each other and they had just been with the wrong people the entire time, which I think a romantic comedy should pushing you in that direction yeah so yeah so as far as the whole travel goes the the misadventures the things that happen to them they get on the wrong train they're stuck in a rental car with a guy carrying large amounts of marijuana all those misadventures those worked for me i buy into the movie that way okay all right darren let's talk about these actors though because let's be honest with a movie like this it's all about your lead actors mm-hmm what did you think Sandra Bullock as Sarah, Ben Affleck as Ben? What did you think of our two lead actors? I think for the most part, I liked Ben Affleck's character as Ben Holmes. Um, he, this is like pretty prime Ben Affleck time. Um, so I think you maybe saw like a little bit more of a toned down Ben Affleck than in other movies that he was in. You know, if, if, you want to continue the comparison of pl with planes, trains, and automobiles, like 
Ben Affleck is sort of like playing the straight man, if you will, in this relationship where like Steve Martin plays the straight man in the, their relationship in Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. So I think that's what he was there to do was to, to kind of be more of a straight shooter. And then Sandra Bullock comes in and sort of like twists up his life and he kind of has to deal with it. So I thought that he did a good job portraying that kind of person because he didn't oversell it. He wasn't like freaking out that there was this kind of unusual person tagging along with him, but he also wasn't totally buying into it either. He there was some resistance, especially at first, because he was wasn't exactly sure how he was going to get around. He just knew he didn't want to fly. So both of these actors are at. I don't even want to say the peaks of their career because they're still going strong today. Yeah. Uh, but they were definitely in like a sweet spot in their careers. They had both had a lot of success throughout the 90s. Uh, for Ben Affleck, you've got the Kevin Smith movies, Mallrats Chasing Amy, then you got Goodwill Hunting, Phantoms, Armageddon, Shakespeare in Love, all leading into this. Mm-hmm. For Sandra Bullock, you've got Speed was probably her biggest hit of the 90s. The Net. Speed 2. <laughs> so both these actors are kind of on a roll coming into this. They're big names at the end of the 90s going into this. Mm-hmm. For Ben Affleck, uh, God, there was just – I mean, he was being asked, being asked to be the straight man. There was just too much, like, mopey, uh, confused, frustrated Ben Affleck face, like, throughout this movie for me. Like, I don't know what Sarah saw in him. Mm-hmm. What she was supposed to see or feel in him. I don't think he he really brought it. And they kept trying to make him this huge romantic lead. They're still trying to make him this huge romantic lead. I don't particularly think that's where Ben Affleck shines as an actor. Yeah, I think he's much more interesting in being one of the bros or dramatic roles or comedies where he could just be himself and not try to create this chemistry with another actress. I, I mean, Armageddon with Liv Tyler... Chasing Amy, again, like they're trying so hard to make him a romantic lead. With Sandra Bullock's character, Sarah, every time she was on screen, I was engaged. I was into it. I wanted to see what she was going to do next. Mm -hmm. Do next, say next. She was the spark of this movie as far as I'm concerned. She brought it the hardest. Whether she's ballroom dancing with the old men from the bus, whether she's standing on top of a train screaming. I know she's supposed to be the more eccentric, the more outgoing character. I just I was more interested in what was happening to her and the journey she was on than the journey Ben was on. So as far as our lead actors who brought it, I I mean they don't ha- they're not a competition here, but right. I I thought Sandra Bullock gave a better performance here. Between the two, I I would definitely agree. I don't know if and maybe this is like giving too much credit and this is not what they were going for, but I don't know if we're supposed to think that Sandra Bullock was attracted, that Sarah Lewis was attracted to Ben Holmes because he was much different than the kind of guys that she seemed to go for normally, as far as from what we understood about her history, that he was just sort of like a genuine, like nice guy kind of thing. And it we got the impression that she was maybe going more with like kind of the unreliable, exciting type man or something along those lines. Yeah. And so maybe that she was attracted to 
it being different than what she was used to. And it was sort of a, the catalyst of it was like him, quote unquote, saving her life, which you could argue he did or did not. But he carried her. <laughs> she, she probably would have been fine otherwise. But so I don't know if that's I don't know if that's giving them too much credit. That that's what they're trying to go for, because I will agree with your, your one point of the question of what. It's easy to see what Ben saw in Sarah, but what did Sarah see in Ben that made her want to be with, hang out with him? It's easy to see why he wanted to hang out with her. Exactly. All right. uh, Let's give a little bit of love to Mara Tierney here because she's kind of carrying the B story or the, yeah, we'll call it the B story of this movie. Uh, She's Bridget. She's the fiance waiting for him in Savannah, Georgia. Uh, Nobody else apparently has trouble getting down to Savannah, Georgia, except for Ben. What did you think of kind of her plot line? There's something there with like an ex-boyfriend that's crazy about her name, Steve, still. And then her parents dealing with her parents and their separation that she's just finding out about. What did you think of her performance? I thought she did all right. I think you, you kind of hit on it earlier, actually, is that she she wasn't really asked to do a lot. She, was, she wasn't in the movie a ton. Maybe you could argue that, that she had... A little success at the end when they're like kind of meeting up again and it's seemingly agreeing that they do want to get married but yeah I mean I think she was passable I think you probably could have plugged in just about any other actress though and accomplished the same thing that's fair I I did I probably enjoyed her more two years ago in liar liar yeah the ex ex ex-wife of Jim Carrey's character or the separated um, wife of Jim Carrey's character yeah, I thought she was she was good in in the little part that she had. The scene in the beginning where they're in the bedroom together, where she's trying to give him the confidence to go down and get married. Yeah, uh, dealing with her parents. Yeah, there were some weird things going on with that Savannah storyline. I guess we'll we'll probably cover it more in successes and failures. Yeah. Uh, for the rest of our wedding guests, let's let's just talk about the rest of the wedding party. We got. Steve Zahn is Alan, the best man. We've got Meredith Scott Lynn as Debbie, the maid of honor. We've got Blythe Danner and Ronnie Cox as Bridget's parents. And we've got Michael Fairman and Janet Carroll as Ben's parents. Who from our, our wedding party do you think had a standout, had the standout performance? It's tough because like, I don't think any of them were like that great. I think if I had to give it to one of them, maybe to Meredith Scott Lynn as Debbie, she kind of reacted the way I think someone would react in a situation like that like she it w- it wasn't out of control and it wasn't too tame it was like very much like a legitimate reaction that someone would have if they're like saw who their best friend was supposed to marry in a situation and she didn't like freak out because she's kind of you could tell that like her and Ben maybe had a relationship as far as like from a friendship standpoint so she was not totally against him but if I had to pick one of the four of them, Steve Zahn was okay. He he didn't even from the very first scene at the bachelor party. He didn't he didn't seem like he fit that well. I don't know. Maybe it was his like weird uh, uh, mullet that he had that threw me off. But it just didn't seem like he fit Steve Zahn, and, and I don't know. It doesn't seem like he fit in the same movie. He tends I find you find him more in like the really goofy comedies. I will say, if you want a good example of playing that like best man best friend role in a romantic comedy i gotta give it up to jeremy piven in serendipity it's one of my favorite rom-coms and he brings it 
in that like okay i'm gonna support you because i'm the best man and i'm like i'm gonna pick up all the slack that you're leaving behind uh kind of role mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. if you want to see a good example of that i recommend serendipity i got a soft spot for steve's on uh, ever since that thing you do <laughs> cracks me up I, i'll say it right now when he uh hits the glass to make the toast and it shatters in his hand crack me up yeah that yeah. got me i thought i thought his parents were pretty good ben ben Holmes ben's parents parents, michael fairman who played his dad and janet carroll played his mom Mm -hmm. i think they did a good job of being the understanding parents but also pushing him in the right direction yeah kind of working that line where you know they they weren't telling him what to do they're saying it's your life but hey idiot get down (laughs) here and marry this girl All right, what about the so the rest of the people they meet along the way? We've got a whole bunch of people that basically tell Ben that marriage is a bad idea. Yeah. Like that's basically their role. Yeah. We've got some of the noted actors, Richard Schiff plays Joe, the bus led the bus tour group. Jack Keller played Vic, the guy who they share a rental car with and had all the marijuana with them. And, and a couple of other people that have very small parts. Yeah. There was the old couple on the train. There was the guys in the strip club. Right. So who was your favorite of all the characters that they bump into along the way? Who do you think stood out to you? I think actually Jack Keller as Vic was my favorite one from the very beginning. He seemed he just seemed like a very like laid back kind of nonchalant kind of guy. He's like, oh, yeah, sure, I'll drive you to Georgia. Why not? And so it was like... Had a little bit of like creepiness, maybe, because you're like, oh, that's kind of weird that you would just do that. But um, I thought he was pretty funny, and the whole like marijuana thing. I thought I thought he played the role quite smoothly. I thought it was very believable. Yeah, he does have a good rant. I mean, a lot of people get off a good rant about marriage right. in this movie. His was pretty good. His is good. I think my favorite, and I I don't know their names, so I don't know who the actor and actress were, but the old couple that he meets on the train that are having the affair. Yeah. They were my favorite, hands down. I I felt like a twist was coming because everybody up until this point was just dumping all over marriage. Right. And uh, when they're like, no, we're having an affair, and they like go into detail, and he's like, oh, God, not another one. (laughs) That that was my favorite of all the, uh, I don't know, extra, all the characters that they meet along the way. Yeah, yeah. All right, Darren. Time to move into successes and failures. Where did the movie succeed, and where did it fail for you? So the first success, I already know you disagree with, but I'm, I have it on my successes, is <laughs> the development of their relationship between, Fail. Between, no. <laughs> between Ben and Sarah. I thought it was, I thought it was pretty good. I, I also liked that you find a lot in these rom-coms that as soon as like, if, if a kiss happens, as soon as a kiss happens, it's like automatic sex. Full on blowing, we're doing it, it's over. So I liked that they didn't go that route because I feel like that's more realistic, right? If you're if you're in a relationship, which technically both of them are in this yeah. in this movie. Even though she's planning on getting divorced. Right. But at the moment they're both in relationships. I don't think it's I've ne- I've never had an affair. I don't plan to. But I feel I feel like the, you know, it, it, that, that's probably more likely how it happens because 
both parties are probably not like, oh, well, this is what I've been planning for years. Let's do it. You know, it's so it's I think it happens in increments rather than just all out from the very beginning. So that's an example of, of why I thought their relationship was developed well. And also just whether we can make the argument whether Sarah, what, what attracted her or him to her, I don't know. But I think sort of just their time together and kind of learning a little bit more about each other's lives as their journey went on, I thought was a success. So I, I will give you that their relationship building was a success. The romantic aspects of that relationship building is probably where I tail a little bit off from that and mm-hmm. towards failure. Mm-hmm. I do believe that like what these two people go on as a, in a journey and the way they kind of build that friendship uh, you know, with her getting him to come up onto the train on top of a train with her, and then the scene in Kmart where they're like playing around and having fun in the store, and then all the way to the extreme, which is the strip, the strip dance scene. I want to call it the strip club scene because it was just a gay bar. Right. They turned it into a strip club. Yeah. Where now these two, now these two have an experience that's kind of bonded them for life. Like neither of them are ever going to forget that time that they made 150 bucks <laughs> stripping at a gay bar. Yeah. So I, that was all a success for me. The the way that built, I, I believed that these two would become friends. I just didn't believe that they'd become romantically involved. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, my next success that I had was just kind of the depth of Sandra Bullock's character, the depth of Sarah. So I think they did more than they had to or what you normally see in, in like a rom-com because like, I mean, you could have just left it at... So you, it, it kind of trails off. First you find out, oh, she's, I think you find out first she's married. I feel like that's the first reveal. I think so, yeah. So, okay, she's married. And then you find out that she's getting divorced and you actually learn that she feels guilty about what she's doing. So you learn that she's going down to Savannah to sell this shop that her and her husband owned. But you get the sense that she's not doing it and is like enraged and is like screw this guy she actually feels bad about doing it but she thinks it's the right thing to do and then you learn she has a kid and so like her life gets very complicated and i i think that there was more depth to it than you see in some other rom-coms where you know could have just they could have just left it at like oh she's like this eccentric kind of crazy girl that bounces around and doesn't really know what she's going to do with her life but is charismatic so people are easily attracted to her and I think I thought they gave her like a lot more depth, and I thought that was a success. So I'm going to give a little bit of that. I'm going to share a little of that success with the writer, yeah, Mark Lawrence. Yeah. So he has a, a lot of experience writing rom-coms, mm-hmm. and he has actually written a lot for Sandra Bullock. Uh, he also wrote uh, Miss Congeniality. He also wrote Miss Congeniality too. He also wrote, I believe, Two Weeks Notice is also Sandra Bullock. It's interesting because then he picks up Hugh Grant, and then he starts writing a lot for Hugh Grant. So, I don't know. Maybe there's just some good chemistry between Sandra Bullock and the writer, Mark Lawrence, where he knows how to write a character that she knows how to play. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I don't know if there's any collaboration between the two of them. Clearly, she's been in a bunch of his movies. So, I don't know what the relationship is, but, yeah. That that pairing seems to be a success. Yeah, yeah, and it's and it's an interesting choice too because I think most people agree 
for the most part, if you're like in Ben Holmes's situation, like having a kid is not necessarily make a woman more attractive, right? I think most people, especially if you're like a younger guy, like bachelor life kind of thing, if you're not, you know, at, at our age, that's less the case. But like yeah. when you're like 23, 25, whatever you are, like someone like, unless you already have a kid and that's your life, but for the most part, a woman with a kid, you're kind of like, mm, I don't know. Uh, I got to go. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, so again, that I thought that was a, an interesting sort of addition to have, which made her character more robust. One of my successes, and I'm going to kind of add on to that, it was the comedy. Uh, you mentioned it before. I, some of these jokes really made me laugh. Uh, when she sees him writing out his vows and she's like reading over his shoulder, she's like, Oh, do you work for Hallmark? Like, <laughs> That's a funny dig. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, later when she's talking about how uh, the bagel shop, why they opened the bagel shop in the South, and her husband thought that the South couldn't make a good bagel, and he just says nonchalantly, uh, that's why they lost the Civil War. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when the other one that really got me was when she's standing on top of the train, and I think she's screaming out like, can anyone hear me? And he leans out the door of the train, and he's like, we're not here. Please leave a message. Yeah. Like, I feel like that's the kind of joke I would make. Yeah. 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 Uh, so the humor, I'm, I would say the humor is a success. Again, to the writer, to our lead actors. Yeah. This movie made me laugh a bunch of times. I really started and I really started laughing when they go to the money gram place to get the money that's being wired or whatever from her, his father to him so he, they can afford to keep traveling. And they get there and it's just on fire. Like it's just burning down. I thought it was very funny because they start like almost like a manic kind of laughter. Like things have gone so poorly that they're just laughing their heads off at how terrible everything is. I know I'm piling on right now, but her laughter was so much more believable than his laughter. Yeah, it Sorry, was. I'm just piling on. No, it's fine. It's fine. But it was like one of those things where like if somebody does something long enough, sometimes it starts to come become funny. And that's what happened to me. Like they were laughing enough that it made me start laughing. All right. Right on. What else you got in successes and failures? Uh, failures. I'll move over to failures. The weird kind of like, I know they were they were trying to execute this. It's the name of the movie is Forces of Nature. The weird kind of like quasi psychedelic some cutscenes that they had were like it was I don't it was kind of like you. Yeah, you were kind of like trippy. It was sort of like some trans music playing or some like club music. Right. And it was like a trippy thing where it was like weather and there were weird colors. Like, I don't know. I I, I see what they were kind of trying to go for, but it really didn't. It just added like oddness to the movie. You're kind of just like, what? I don't know. Why are you doing this? Like. Well, so, I mean, I think this kind of goes to the stylization of the entire movie. And I, I honestly don't know if I put this in a success or the failure. But if you were to just show me those, like, cut scenes and transition scenes, don't show me Ben Affleck or Sandra Bullock or anything about the story. I'd be like, this is a 90s movie. This is absolutely a <laughs> 90s movie. I mean, it's very grainy. And it's almost got, like, a washed-out feel to it. But then everything is color-graded. Yeah. So when they're in New York, everything is extremely blue. Yeah. When they're on the plane, everything is extremely red. When they're in Savannah, everything is extremely yellow. And I, the other one I noticed was when they were on the train, everything seemed extremely green. Yeah. And, I mean, this is a clear choice by the director and the editors to do this kind of color grading and give it this stylization. And then to do the transitions you're talking about. 
So the director is Bronwyn Hughes, and she has directed a few feature movies, but she seems to be more of a TV director. She's directed a lot of TV shows, and you've seen most of them. <laughs> Was it just a symptom of the 90s? Yeah, I mean, it could have been. I didn't know if they were trying to like communicate like the forces of nature are like mysterious and they kind of work in a way you don't understand or like something I cuz it was kind of like a little bit. whirlwindy a little bit like things were turning weird I don't I don't know it just I didn't really get it How about a fail for they're still trying to have this wedding when a hurricane is bearing <laughs> down on them yeah. How about a fail there <laughs> Just reschedule guys it's going to be fine do it inside Yeah Another failure I had was and maybe it's very accurate cuz I don't spend a lot of time in Georgia the accents seem brutal. Yeah. Maybe that's a really good Georgian accent and I'm just totally oblivious to reality, but it's they seemed a little intense, like a little very thick Georgian accent. I don't know. And then my last one was, I didn't see, my last fail was I didn't see the, the need for like Bridget having a moment of kind of cheating on Ben with Steve all of a sudden, like it's right after Sarah and Ben kiss, or soon after Sarah and Ben kiss, almost at the same time. Almost at the same time, and they cut to a scene, and you just see people's feet at the end of a bed, and they pan up, and it's Bridget and Steve, not Sarah and Ben, like you thought it was going to be. But it seemed out of character for Bridget from the very little we learned about her. It seemed odd because it's it's not like. Her and Steve had a, like a spark of something that happened the way that Ben and Sarah did. And so all of a sudden, Bridget's just kind of like, yeah, I don't know. I, he's just late. Steve, you want to make out? <laughs> I, 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 they made it obvious that she was very drunk on champagne. Yeah. Yeah. I guess maybe that. But also, know. why didn't she have any girlfriends, any bridesmaids? Like she had no one. I think that's why she ended up in that situation because she was so isolated. Yeah, maybe. Without Ben there. The whole Savannah storyline is probably a fail. Yeah, maybe it's just the whole thing. Yeah. It just wasn't well thought out. They're, I mean, they're like, we need the we need the fiance to be doing something when all of this is happening. What can she do? Yeah. <laughs> and they were also trying to make her feel a little guilt you know, give her some guilt going into it so that it evens out his guilt. Sure. And they they could have done more with it. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Another fail for me, it wasn't that turbulent of a plane crash. I'm sorry. They never even left the ground. Yeah. What did he need an oxygen mask for? They weren't losing oxygen. They're on the ground still. Yeah. I don't know the ins and outs of the emergency things that happened. Those people were acting like they were in the movie Airplane. (laughs) It did get a little intense, I will agree, for a hot second. I'm pretty sure there was a woman climbing over seats (laughs) trying to get, maybe it was a stewardess, I don't know. But climbing over people trying to get to somewhere. There was also a guy shoveling down like chocolates <laughs> sitting behind him. Forget this diet. I'm about to die. Yeah, what? So that that was a fail for me. Another fail for me is Steve singing Phil Collins Against All Odds to try to woo Bridget. And there was no context behind it. He's like, don't you remember that song? And it wasn't clear if he was asking, like, do you remember it as in this is a song that exists? Or do you remember it 
that used to be our song. Like that was never made clear. <laughs> yeah, and I'm gonna say to David Strickland, who plays Steve, like that's a hard song to karaoke. <laughs> like I've thought about it, and it's Phil Collins sings higher than you think he sings. Yeah. Do you think I could do better than him? He did a pretty good job, actually. Completely acapella, no backup music. I thought it was pretty rough. <laughs> it was pitchy, dog. It's pitchy. <laughs> We can uh, just mark that into the weird Georgia story. <laughs> it's just part of the weird Georgia the story. My last fail, the pool scene. Now, I will agree with you that uh, Debbie's reaction was right for the mm. situation. Mm -hmm. That scene doesn't need to happen because everything that has happened up until that point, I don't think they've kissed yet. They kiss right after that because yeah. they have the big fight in the motel room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah. Literally everything up until that point is so explainable. Yes, they had to lie to get on the bus, which I don't think they had to lie to get on the bus. I think if they would have explained to those old people that he's trying to make it to his wedding in Savannah, Georgia, they would have been like, come on, Ben. Yeah. We'll get you there. Like They would all rallied around that kind of story. When they meet up with Alan and Debbie, who are also like had to rent a car and drive down, all he has to do is explain the situation be like, oh, yeah, she was on the plane. She's also trying to get to Georgia. We've been traveling together. There. That's it. Yeah. That, there's nothing else that has to be explained. Yeah. Wouldn't be funny enough, I guess. I know. I wouldn't be dramatic enough. Right. That's, right. But that's forced drama. That's true. Like, yeah. They're, they're a better way. If they kiss before that, now you have drama. Right. Also, Alan Debbie's car was a two-seater. <laughs> it was a two-seater convertible. Where was he going to sit? I think this is a nitpick. I think you're getting ahead of your start. <laughs> All right. It is a nitpick. There'll, there'll be more. <laughs> Let's move on to... That's enough about what we thought. Let's hear what the critics said. And we're going to go to Rotten Tomatoes. We're going to pull up our top critics. And uh, what do you want to start with this week? Fresh or Rotten? Let's start with Rotten. Boy, this is... Wow. Uh, Richard Corliss from Time Magazine. He says, DreamWorks' first reprehensible fiasco. Hmm. That's the whole thing? I mean, yeah. Hmm. That's... He pretty blatantly says that, I mean, this movie's a disaster with no redeeming qualities. Yeah. I think that might be a little harsh. A little harsh. It might be a little, right. a little extreme. We're not talking about the room here. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Let's find a critic who's got a little bit more in-depth to say about this. Again, uh, these these reviews seem to be really harsh. Peter Travers from the Rolling Stone, who we've seen many times come up on this, says... The cinematic equivalent of styrofoam, a weightless romantic comedy of synthetic feelings. We we kind of already hit on it with, I thought there was a decent amount of feeling, and I, I really had sympathy for, for Sarah, for Sandra Bullock's character of like what she was going through. So at the very least, even if you didn't believe the romance between Ben and Sarah, I thought Sarah's story was fair, fairly compelling. All right, here, here's a little bit more of a fair review. Dustin Putman from thefilmfile.com said, while far from a complete misfire, forces of nature remain simply to buy the numbers to be particularly gratifying or worthwhile. 
So do you feel like this was a by the numbers romantic comedy? Uh, I felt like I feel like they did some stuff that was maybe less predictable. Like I feel like a lot of romantic comedies don't end up with the relationship that exists in the beginning of the movie. This being the same relationship in the end of the movie. I feel like you whether the people that were originally together in the beginning are together in the end or not, there's usually like a significant change. But in this, that wasn't the case. So, I mean, maybe it's less dramatic, but it's definitely not as prescripted as other rom-coms. So I think, I think could make the argument that it was actually fairly unique in that sense. Yeah, it, it kept me on my toes. And maybe it's because they bring in some of those planes, trains, and automobiles elements into it and kind of take that story and slam it into the rom-com genre. Even though it was heavily advertised in the trailers, the strip club scene, right, the Kmart scene, right. I thought there were some unexpected twists and turns along the way. Like I knew the roadblocks would kept getting thrown up in front of them, but the way they did were a little bit unexpected for me. Mm-hmm. All right, so transition us into fresh reviews. These are two these are two reviews right next to each other on Rotten Tomatoes. One's fresh, one's rotten. The fresh one is from Joe Layden from Variety. He says, an extremely enjoyable neo-screwball comedy about attractive opposites on the road. From Time Out Magazine, it doesn't say who this is from. This is the rotten review. A bumbling and typically charmless latter-day studio screwball comedy. <laughs> they both called it a screwball comedy. Would you consider this a screwball comedy? No. When I think screwball comedy, I think like pretty like slapstick out there kind of stuff. I don't really think of this. Like you I think planes, trains and automobiles might be closer to a quote unquote screwball comedy than this is. Yeah, I I mean I'm not hiring Ben Affleck and Sandra Bullock probably for a screwball comedy. No. No, they're not like your standard, com- like that. They didn't come from stand-up, right? They weren't like, oh, I'm a stand-up comedian. Now I'm gonna yeah. do movies. It, I mean, although Ben Affleck has been in a lot of Kevin Smith movies, which tend to be a little bit screwbally, but he's never the screwball character. Right, that's he's, exactly. He's right. always playing a straighter character that the screwball screwballiness is bouncing off of. Exactly. Yeah, that's yeah. A, that's a term. Yeah, and Mallrats he plays the asshole guy that works at the mall. Yeah, but it works for him. It works in the in the within the movie. Yeah. The other fresh review, I think Garth Franklin here from Dark Horizons pretty much sums up everything there's left to say on Rotten Tomatoes. He says, all in all, it really depends on if you're a fan of the two leads. I am, so I liked it. I mean, that seems to be the theme that runs through all these reviews. There doesn't seem to be a lot of difference this week. You either like the lead actors and thought they had chemistry, or you don't like them and didn't think there was any chemistry, and that's it. That's what people are basing their entire decision on. Yeah, and I think that's... That's fair. I mean, especially for the amount of screen time that those two people get, I guess the success of the movie really does hinge on them. And it doesn't hurt by any means. Sandra Bullock is an attractive woman, right? And so, if that, and I mean, Ben that, Affleck's an attractive man, right? Exactly. So, I mean, it, it really, on both ends, at, at the very least, right? It's like, it's like, or that might get you into it. Like, oh, Ben Affleck or, oh, Sandra Bullock. You know, like at the very least, that might at least put you in like, oh, I'll watch it to see what it's like. Yeah. I, a lot of these romantic comedies kind of bank on that. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Let's move away from those reviews because, frankly, they aren't very helpful this week. <laughs> 
let's talk about a sequel, Darren. Mm. You know, we love pitching sequels on this. Yeah. If there was a sequel to Forces of Nature, what would you want to see? What if, rather than a, I don't know the right word for this is, but a side, oh, we, we, it's a sidequel. Okay, right? sidequel. Sidequel. What all the fun things that Alan and Debbie had along the way, right? They had to drive too. I mean, this looked like they were in a like, really nice car and they probably had reliable transportation the whole way through. But they might have run into some fun stuff. Okay. Okay. That'd be, that would be interesting. There were a lot of other things going on in this world around them. How do you know they don't have a romantic relationship we didn't even know about? Ooh. Which I think they kind of hinted at, maybe, but... I have no clue. Yeah, I couldn't tell sure. if they just were the maid of honor and the best man and were traveling together or what. Right. I'm going to pitch to you a remake mm. as a horror movie. So Ben Affleck spends a lot of this time, a lot of time, especially in the middle of the movie, kind of staring at Sarah. Let's be honest. <laughs> Doing that like Ben Affleck, like sad puppy dog eyes, mopey, trying to be sexual, staring. She's so enchanting. That's the thing. Okay. So I'm going to pitch a, a horror movie where for the first half of the movie, you kind of, you're going at this pace, right? I don't know if he's going to get married or not, but- we, you know, they they both are stuck. They're both traveling together. They're, like, learning a little bit about each other. There's some sparks there. And then halfway through the movie, and he starts to get a little bit creepier and a little bit more creepy, a little starey and a little bit. And she realizes, maybe it's in, like, a notebook or a journal, that he's actually been stalking her for months. <laughs> and all these coincidences that they think they're having, that she thinks they're having, and all these chemistry moments are things that he's planned out and plotted out to happen so that she would fall for him Mm. and it turns into a horror movie now because now she's got to get away from him yeah yeah i just i i saw one shot of him just staring at her i don't know if it was the bath scene or what (laughs) maybe in the maybe in the the one that caught me was the one when they're in the laundromat and she's asleep and he's staring at her oh yeah yeah, yeah, that's the one that i was i thought it was a little creepy yeah you put some horror music behind that you got a whole (laughs) another movie there and it's all stemmed on the fact he's mad because he owns a rival bagel shop (laughs) well (laughs) now you're talking a whole another movie the two of them running a bagel shop in savannah georgia together maybe that's a tv show i feel like that you could get 10 episodes on netflix for that All right, Darren, that takes us into quick picks. It's time for our nitpicks of the movie to pick out the things we liked. Our final thoughts that don't really fit any of our other categories. What do you got for quick picks this week? Why is that hospital so dark? No one is getting treated properly in that (laughs) hospital. I know it goes back to what we talked about with the way they shot the movie. And this is a this is true across a lot of movies. You, I'm sure you noticed is hospitals and movies. A lot of the time are very dark. Yeah. It's like nobody is can be, no surgery can happen with this little light <laughs> successfully. Most of them are like white walls and bright lighting, and you like it's hard to sleep because it's so bright. Right. Right. All right, you go. Good. Well, if we're gonna talk about that, then we gotta rewind. We have to talk about the bachelor party. Now, strippers at a bachelor party, where do you stand on this? Like, to have them or not? Yeah. I, I'm i okay with it. You know, like, I mean, you know, you're not, it's not like you're hiring a prostitute, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's strictly there for entertainments. Um, so I'm, 
I'm okay with it. I think it's it's reasonable. I feel like it's it's become it's become an issue. I feel I don't know if it's today's society, but I feel like the bachelor parties I go on, it's always like, are we gonna do it? Are we not? Where do we all stand on this? Uh, I think I think we're a little bit divided as a uh, as a sex as a male sex yeah. on whether or not we want to see strippers at a bachelor party. But I will tell you that at every bachelor party, there's the pushy friend, and Steve Zahn's <laughs> that pushy friend, where it's like, you have to have a stripper. You you are the bachelor. We have to get you a stripper. And you're like, no no no, I really I don't want us to. No, we are going to a strip club. Come on guys, everybody, we're going to a strip club. And you're like, no, we, none of us want to do it. Like most of them <laughs> Too are married. Bad. Yeah, there is always that guy at every bachelor party. I will say though, she was a good stripper. That was a good performance. It was more of a burlesque show. Yeah, 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 it was really a show. Like it wasn't just like I'm dressed up as a naughty cop and I'm gonna arrest you. Like it was. Think she was a, a bullfighter. Yeah, it was. It was pretty solid. I mean, Grandpa clearly liked it. Right, Grandpa loved it. <laughs> uh, my nitpick of this whole thing is there were like 75 guys at that bachelor <laughs> party. That was a huge that was my bachelor party. Too. I. I don't think I even know that many people. Were they just handing out invites on the streets in New York? Like, bachelor party, go to a bachelor party. That's very possible. Steve Zahn and Ben Affleck are going to be there. Come to a bachelor party. (laughs) All right, what else? In real life, that is probably how they got people there. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, and this this jumps to the end of the movie. So there's a hurricane developing. It's like blowing down furniture and everything they've constructed for this wedding. And after Bridget and Ben talk, Ben runs back, partially, I guess, to pr- he's trying to see if Sarah's still hanging out. Yeah, he's the nice guy. Right, right, right. But his little notebook is sitting comfortably on the bench, hasn't been blown away. Doesn't matter that whole tables are being blown up through the air. This little notebook's like, I'm fine. I'm a six-ounce notebook. I got this hurricane. Don't worry. Yeah, I got, I got no defense of that. All right. <laughs> That's a good that's a good quick pick. Thanks. Uh, there was some deep stuff at the beginning of this movie. Uh it's another question that comes to mind. So she says she asks him, "Do you have to be brilliant, witty, clever, or polite in your vows or just honest?" Or in a best So I'm going to ask you whether you're writing your own vows or writing your best man's speech. Do you think you have to be brilliant, witty, clever, polite or just honest? I think it, the difference is between those two is is very it's a there's a big difference between those two is that maybe the vows just to be honest but i feel like the speech people are like looking to have it to be funny or entertaining so i think if you're the best man or the maid of honor that yeah. speech or the father of the bride father right, of the right 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 people i mean i, I think maybe end with something maybe sentimental slash honest if you will but i think for the most part people are looking for entertainment of some sort i will tell you that i've had the opportunity to be a best man twice Uh been a groom once and it was much harder to write my best man speeches than it was to write my vows right you feel a lot more pressure i feel like a lot more pressure yeah yeah you're kind of like i mean don't get me wrong like your vows it's nice to write something nice but i mean you're probably communicating things that whoever you're marrying already knows you're just telling them again in a different way and i think her advice is good just be honest right do you have any more no that's pretty much it i know you have more you always have more (laughs) of course i have more 
<laughs> is jacket copywriter a real job? Ooh, good question. I feel like yes. Did you look it up? So I looked it up, of course. I I can't really find a definition for the job, but what I did find is a company. I'm going to give them some free advertising here to our <laughs> millions upon millions of <laughs> listeners. Insource.com is a company that does book jacket copywriting. And they say on their website, so much hinges on the turn of a phrase. Jacket copy is the point of sale tool for selling more books, make every word count. Our marketing copywriters are experienced and adept at capturing the essence of a novel or nonfiction work in just a few short paragraphs. Better still, we write copy that helps move more units, all while helping publishers cut their costs and reduce internal operational burdens. Wow. So there you go. This is a real job, and Insourced is a real company that does it. So there Do- you go, Insourced. <laughs> does Ben Affleck work for them? Use the code no meth movies on their <laughs> website. <laughs> Maybe to get twenty percent <laughs> off your next copy jacket needed, jacket copy. <laughs> <laughs> the next thing that comes up right after this, uh, I think it's when she says that uh, she needs to go down to Georgia for to collect twenty five thousand dollars, and he says, "What are you on dig for dollars?" Which made me go, "Is there a, was there a reality TV show in the nineties called Dig for Dollars?" Yeah, I I just assumed there was no. No, he just, no, made, there just completely made it up. Yeah. Oh. Why not say a real reality show? Like, yeah. there's plenty to choose from. The closest thing I could find was a show called American Digger on the Discovery Network. And it was about treasure hunting. <laughs> but I, that was a weird line. Yeah. Okay. And we talked about the 90s style. Is going to a big K, a big Kmart, the most 90s thing about this movie? <laughs> or is it the fact that he was wearing a button-down shirt with track pants? <laughs> the button-down shirt with track pants is straight Ben Affleck via Goodwill Hunting, I feel like. <laughs> yeah. That, maybe that's the, the most Affleck thing he did in this entire movie. I actually you know what caught me talking about 90s was Bridget's outfit at one point she's wearing like they're like the length of capris but they're real baggy and she's wearing them with like completely white tennis shoes and white socks were they hammer pants (laughs) kind of but they weren't scrunched (laughs) up at the bottom they were just wide the whole way down (laughs) all right uh yeah it's it's a 90s movie all right right yeah I wanted to like have more on Kmart and do this whole big thing on Kmart and what happened to them. If you don't remember Kmart, they were basically Target and Walmart. Yeah. Before Target and Walmart. I wish there was a cool story here. There's not. They just like fizzle out of the company and file for bankruptcy twice and they just there's like four hundred stores left or something. Yeah. You can still find them. You yeah. can still find them around. I kind of mentioned this when I was talking, you know, when we were talking earlier in successes and failures. Why does Ben think that Sarah is like attracted to him or trying to seduce him? Like, especially it comes to a head in the the bathtub scene. Like, she's like, I'm going to take a bath. The door won't close. I thought there was going to be something there where like the doors cracked yeah. open and then he sees her. Yeah. Instead, he's watching her through the glass. She literally does nothing to lead him on. She's enjoying the bath. She's not even paying attention to him. Yeah. She starts singing a song that's not sexy. No. 
not a sexy song, but he's acting like it's literally the hottest thing he's ever experienced. <laughs> yeah, I think it's it's just more in his head that whether he thinks she's trying to do it or not, it's affecting him. So he's having problems with it. Yeah. I mean, he I guess technically he's kind of the lead character and right. we're watching his journey, his decision. He has to make the decision at the end of the movie. Yeah. So you're right. It is kind of in his from his perspective in his head but i mean she's literally doing nothing to lead him on yeah it is is all in his head yeah it would have been nice if maybe like maybe if she was saying a song that was like more attractive or if there was something that happened with the the door thing or something like that where like she kind of realized that he could see her sort of thing i don't know like seductive like phil collins against all odds yeah that's what she should have sang for sure (laughs) All right, and my last, my last nitpick, the end when, uh, the end of the movie when they're down by the bagel shop and her ex husband's there and the whole drama and then she's crying and he's consoling her and they're like kind of squatted by the car. Mm-hmm. There's a cut. Mm-hmm. There's another cut. Mm-hmm. There's a dissolve to a different camera angle, and then there's more cuts. One dissolve, <laughs> just one. <laughs> My guess is what happened is some editor put dissolves on all of those camera angles, all those all those different angles, all those different edits, and then the director went through and was like, no, I don't want dissolves there. Take the dissolves out. And they clicked all, you know, they, they deleted all the dissolves and they forgot one. That's my only explanation because there's no reason you would have cut, 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 dissolve, cut, 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 cut. That makes no sense as an editor. Ladies and gentlemen, a true media professional talking to you about this right now. Thank you. (laughs) All right, Darren. I would love to hit you with some trivia, but I don't think there's any good trivia from this movie. Nothing was filmed in the actual location that you think it is. About a year after the movie was released, Sandra Bullock actually did survive a plane crash where a corporate jet skidded off the runway. Oh. Yeah. Life imitating art. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's all I got. All right, no good trivia from this one. Okay. But what's important is it's time for us to make a decision and decide once and for all, is Forces of Nature a good movie or a bad movie? I decided that Forces of Nature is a good movie. Um, I am a bit of a sucker for like that's... I, I have often referred to my not often, but I have referred to myself as a hopeless romantic. So I kind of am a sucker for and like believing in that sort of like magic of like running into someone or something like that, and then there's just like instant connection. And I don't, I'm not saying if that happens to you, I recommend like oh, I'll just abandon the rest of your life, everything that you've done so far, and just be with this person. But there is something about that that I usually find interesting or it's something that I like seeing or enjoy the thought of or the idea of that combined with I thought Sandra Bullock did a very good job and I thought the writing about her character was good and then in general with it being like fairly funny I thought those three things combined was enough for me to make it a good movie that was worth watching are there better rom-coms out there absolutely and that's the point of the show but I think it was, for its time, I think it was a good enough movie that I wasn't sad that I paid three ninety nine for it on Amazon to watch it. 
I'm going to agree that I think this is a good movie. Okay. There are plenty of things in this movie that were pushing me towards bad. Mm. And you know I always have nitpicks and quick picks for movies. Yeah. That that happens with everything. Um, the style, that 90, 90 stylization and the graininess and the color grading, like that as a person who makes videos was already pushing me towards bad. <laughs> Ultimately, where I landed on this, though, why what pushed me to good was Sandra Bullock and Ben Affleck. I think you, there's enough. They deliver enough of a performance that I'm going to agree this is a good movie. I laughed. I was entertained. I was invested in in who he was going to pick, you know, mm-hmm. where the movie was going to end up. Team Bridget. <laughs> and Team Sarah. <laughs> and so yeah, I I'm going to I would recommend this movie to people if they want to see a fun 90 Sandra Bullock movie that's not speed. Yeah. I would say yeah, check out Forces of Nature. You'll be entertained. You'll have fun. So I'm going to put this in my good movies category. Excellent. All right, Darren. There you go. That does it for our review, discussion of Forces of Nature. Coming up next week. Remember, we're going to tell you guys what movie we're doing so you have a chance to go out and see it before you listen to the show. Watch it with us. Come up with your own opinion with us. Uh, Next week, the big release in theaters is Spider-Man Far From Home. Now, we could have done a European movie. We could have done a student trip movie. Or we could do a spider movie. And I could not find a more meh spider movie out there than Eight-Legged Freaks. I saw the trailer, and I have surprisingly high hopes (laughs) for what we're going to experience with this one. Either way, it will probably be a very entertaining conversation. Yep. So that's the movie for next week. Come back. Check us out. Listen to us again. Thanks for listening, everybody. Please subscribe, rate, and review the show on whatever podcasting app you are listening on. That really helps us to get some ratings out there. Let other people know about the show and the fun conversations that we have about movies. You can follow us on Twitter at NoMehMovies. We're tweeting about... We're trying to tweet out as much as we can and get a conversation going about movies. And then you can tweet at us. We want you to tweet at us and let us know what you thought of these movies. Any of the movies that we've covered so far, we'd really love to hear your opinion. Just jump on Twitter, tweet at us at NoMemMovies, tell us what you thought, and we can start a conversation about it. Thanks for supporting the show. And the next time your friends ask about a movie, take a stance and tell them if the movie is good or bad. Because on this show, there are no meh movies. How can I just let you walk away? Just let you leave without a trace. When I stand here taking every breath with you. Ooh. But can you do it and play drums? You're the only one. No, I can't. <laughs> <laughs>